Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for us next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy. Oh, cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bull artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Well, I bet a lot of our listeners did not know that you had an artery on the back of your head. Thankfully, Hoffa Garcia is okay. Dr. Gus Florian knew. <laughs> Gus Florian, Anakin Florian podcast listener, father of Ken Flo knew. Good to be back with you, folks. Tuesday, December 20th, 2022. Few more sleeps till Christmas. Episode 377 of the Anakin Florian podcast. So, Ken Flo's in the mountains. What are you filming a movie? What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, here, here with the family, man. Here, here with the family. Just uh, taking a little vacation before Christmas. I promised my wife we'd go to the mountains for her birthday. So here we are. All right. So not since Kenny Florian was doing an interview on MMA Live in Boston on the eve of the fight with Gray Maynard, have I seen him as upset as he was five minutes ago <laughs> that his entire audio and video setup that he dragged to the mountains doesn't work because the Wi-Fi, wherever you are in this mountainous region, is not cooperating today? It is not. It is not, man. It's pissing me off. But uh, here we are. I'm here for a little bit anyway. All right, so we're going to keep Ken Flo for 20 minutes or so, and then we're going to check in with Ray Longo. He called me yesterday like he could not wait to sound off. He and I are both sort of at our collective wits end, I think, when it comes to just a lot of things in the mixed martial arts space that are either judging related or referee related or 
scoring related. There's just so much going on in MMA that is of dissatisfaction to me and Ray right now. So I think that's going to be therapeutic for uh, for both of us on a lot of fronts. But we're going to get into uh, to Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland. Uh, pretty average main event as far as I was concerned in terms of the entertainment value with all, all due respect to two elite level athletes and high level mixed martial artists. Um, we're going to get into all of that and uh, time permitting some other different stuff uh, on the NFL. I mean, I don't even know if I have the appetite to do the NFL <laughs> stuff, but I think we kind of have to do it. So the main event goes to Jared Cannonier over Sean Strickland by split decision, 49-46 times two. Sal D'Amato had it the other way, 4-1. For Sean Strickland, it was a close fight. All five rounds were close. Both guys had their respective moments, I thought, in all five rounds. Sean Sheehan, my go-to, suggested that he wouldn't argue against 50-45 to 45 on either side. And, of course, therein lies a lot of the problem. But, Kempfla, what were your thoughts on this middleweight main event as it played out this weekend? Yeah, I'll talk about the fight itself and kind of get into the scoring a little bit. I thought, yeah, that it, listen, both guys did have their moments. I thought Sean Strickland early on was kind of moving forward, leading the dance, establishing that jab, establishing his range, getting in, getting out. And it was kind of cannoneer when he did land, and it wasn't very often. When he did land, he was landing the more impactful blows. He was the one who was kind of stopping Sean Strickland in his tracks. And this is kind of what we have to remember is when a judge is looking at these fights, they're looking for moments during the fight, techniques that land or that are successful during the fight that are impactful, that have a meaning, uh, have some kind of meaning behind the strike, meaning behind the technique. Um, and, it, you know, it, let's say, if I land 10 jabs and you continue to walk forward and you land one cross that stops me in my tracks or gets me to, to take a couple steps forward, you would win that round, right? It would be that one blow to my 10 jabs that landed. People get, get caught up in the numbers and who's moving forward and aggression. None of that matters if it comes down to who's landing the more impactful blows. This is why this fight was tricky to score. Another really close fight that could have gone either way. I have no problem with it going Strickland. I have no problem with it going with Cannoneer. But it did go with Cannoneer. I thought Cannoneer at the end was winning some rounds that I thought were a little bit clearer. But it was close nonetheless. And I thought, uh, you know, in, in regards to the scoring before we get into it, I thought your brother Jason Anik uh, made a tremendous point online on Twitter when he was talking about, hey, you know, is it out of the realm of possibility that one judge saw completely different? Yeah. Why? Because it's a very close fight. If every round is close, then that means that any of those rounds could have gone for any of those fighters. So I thought he summed it up really well. And the judges are also human beings, right? And yeah. Sal D'Amato and Derek Cleary are ubiquitously regarded as two of the better judges and certainly some of our listenership is going to take great issue with that. And I guess I should say that maybe calling them elite is based sheerly on assignment because they both, both get a lot of high profile assignments and they're both obviously employed a lot by the Nevada state athletic commission. But seemingly when I've gone back and done some research today, these two individuals who I hold in high regard, they disagree a lot, mm. you know, one, two, three, and five in this instance, Derek Cleary had it for Jared Cannonier, and Sal D'Amato had it for Sean Strickland, one, two, three, and five. And then you go back to Sean Strickland versus Jack Hermanson, you know, same two judges. Sal D'Amato was the dissenting judge, had that fight for Jack Hermanson, and Derek Cleary had it for Sean Strickland. I don't know. I mean, I do feel like, generally speaking, the judges interpreting the criteria at whatever angle close to the octagon 
with all of their veteran experience, those two guys, I think, should agree a little bit more than they do. But you're absolutely right in terms of the moments and the damaging moments. I guess my greater issue is how do we quantify effective grappling versus control, right? Especially in those clinch situations, is that effective grappling? And does effective grappling get as much credit as effective striking? And I think it just doesn't. And that's just something that maybe I'm going to have to live with, you know. But as far as this fight was concerned, I just want to read you something, Ken Flo, real quick from yes. Sean Sheehan. And I'm being a little bit long-winded because the Wi-Fi signal isn't great and I want to not be interrupting people. So people oftentimes are solution-based individuals, right? Like for me in my marriage, my wife says, oh, I have a problem. And I'm always trying to come up with a solution. She's like, why don't you just fucking listen to my problem and not always try to come up with a solution because you don't even have one, right? So a lot of people have different solutions when it comes to mixed martial arts, judging, scoring. So this is from my man, Sean Sheehan, at Sean Sheehan BA on Twitter. Score that fight as a whole between Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland, still close. Half points, still close. More 10-8s. Non-existent in this fight, right? Still close. Um, Taught up scores with a ticker, still close. People want a miracle that doesn't exist and can't exist, right? So if you're fighter-oriented like I am, even though I think open scoring effectively changes the sport, I can say to you on December 20th, 2022, I am unabashedly in favor of open scoring. So at least the athlete can know the extent to which they're being hosed in their own mind going into that third and final round. John, you, you make a lot of tremendous points. And, you know, from the moment we open our eyes here in this world, we're trying to make sense of this world. We want consistency. We want to understand what is going on, understand what we're watching, understand what we're hearing, understand what we're smelling, all those things. And I think it, it um, kind of ruins a fan's experience or a commentator's experience or a fighter's experience if we don't have that level of consistency. And I think that's kind of what uh, can be frustrating for a lot of people watching this sport. You know, and I want to talk about the Patriots game, unfortunately. It, it was uh, a horrible ah. play at the very end, John. But let's go back to when the Raiders tied up that game, right? So they tied up the game on a co- what could be seen as, as a controversial call, and it was controversial. We had two commentators that thought that the guy was out of bounds, that his big toe was touching the white, was out of bounds, And we had an expert uh, judge that came in and said, it looks like his big toe is outside. That's not a touchdown. The referee, of course, made the call that it was a touchdown. They go back and watch the review. It has to be clear that it was out out of bounds. Um, and, And it wasn't. Now, if we took a poll of all the referees, all the judges out there, all the judging experts, all the, the football experts, they would probably be split down the middle because, you know, again, the camera angles weren't great. My point is when you have things like that that are close, there's going to be dissension. There's going to be uh, differing opinions. And when you get a fight as close as Strickland is Cannoneer uh, and some of the other fights that we've seen on Goliath, uh, Blahovich, all those other things, people are going to see it in different ways. It's just it, – it's, it, it's, it's human nature. It's the sport itself. And rules can only do so much. Yeah, no, I think it's a beautiful analogy. And as far as that particular play, if you don't know, in the New England Patriots-Las Vegas Raiders game, there was a late touchdown on which the Raiders tied it. And again, to Kenny's point, you have to see something clear on the replay 
in order to overturn the field call, which was made to be a touchdown. But I thought it was interesting, with all due respect, to hear the commentator at that point call out the entire, acknowledge the entire crew, right, because of the holidays. He's acknowledging everyone, and I'm sitting here thinking, like, hey, man, like, we need a better angle right now, so maybe not the time to acknowledge the entire crew. Oh, my gosh. And I do have to say, because I'm a fan of broadcasting and I don't necessarily turn games off based upon the announcers and I don't necessarily have a ton of favorites right now. But I will say Jonathan Vilma, former New York Jet, was wildly critical of the Patriots quarterback, Mac Jones. I have been wildly critical of Mac Jones. I mean, there's a clip on Barstool Sports where I absolutely trash Mac Jones. I try to do it respectfully. Right. But Jonathan Vilma sort of went at Mac Jones in what I described to our UFC producer, Zach Candido, as a uniquely professional way. Like, he criticized Mac Jones in a way that I've never heard an NFL analyst criticize a quarterback or a player. Like, at one point, he was like, just wow, you know? I mean, something you'd say, like, on a podcast, you know, not when you're calling a game. So I thought it was it was a huge editorialization and maybe Jonathan Vilma going a little bit too far. But uh, we're getting off topic, so we need to get back on it. So... In terms of the judging and scoring stuff, and I want to get to Armand Sarugian and some other performances. Sarugian, I mean, no picnic to fight that guy, my God. But I basically replied to a tweet, and as I tell my daughters all the time, they're not on social media yet, but all this stuff can be held against you. Everything you write, baby. So I wrote something to our former uh, handicapper, Luca Fury, at Fury's Fight Picks. And I wrote to him, I'm not sure the state of MMA judging has ever been worse, quite frankly. I'm looking forward to getting back to Vegas next year to have some conversations. And and I'll get into that a little bit. But somebody who I really respect in the space, Scott Fontana, replied to me, I don't know that I would go as strong as John here, but there is some data that would support him in terms of the percentage of rounds judges are not unanimous on in UFC fights. So basically in 2022, we've had... 7.24% of rounds in which judges are not unanimous. And that is up from 6.71% in 2021 and 5.77% in 2020. I am no mathematician, but it does seem to me like uh, there's a lot of dissension in the ranks. Maybe that's not the way to put it, but a lot of disagreement. And I'm not even necessarily looking for any great comment from you, Kenny, but I do find it interesting the extent to which these judges, however few of them there are, seem to have disagreed here in 2022. Now, John, I'll I'll say this. Um, I I would agree with that. I'd also say it's probably going to get worse, uh, just given the fact that a lot of these fighters are getting better. They're getting more technical, coaching. Everything is getting smarter, game planning, I think, for the most part. So, uh, you know, buckle up. You know, 2023 might get even more interesting. All right, so a couple other things I want to uh, read here from Sean Sheehan, and then we will move on. So this is a tweet from Sean, who was on our podcast last week. My opinion, the brief period we had scoring 10-8s with the 3Ds was the sweet spot. And I think that's something upon which most avid MMA fans can agree. We could differentiate between rounds clearly with a set of easily understandable rules. Judges were happy to score them. It made the right person win more of the time, and we had a few more draws. Great. We need to get back there. Dana White's complaining pressured the Nevada Commission, and they buckled to the idiocy, changed course, ignore the noise, and take the scoring back to 18 months ago. And I do think in terms of affecting change under the current criteria, we have to get back to liberal 10-8s, reserving the 10-9s for the close rounds, 10-10 cease to exist, even though me and Longo and others would love to see them back. And even though me and Ray don't mind if 
15% of fights are draws. Most of the fan base promoters, they don't want draws, Kenny. And the more 10-10s you have, the more 10-8s you have, the more draws you're going to have. You're the former fighter, so I would ask you, would you be okay with 10% of UFC fights ending in a draw? Gosh, that's tough. Listen, sometimes fights are that even. And if they are that even, then a draw is warranted. I hate them too, but if that's what it is, that's what it is. So if you're Sean Strickland, certainly you're a fan of 10% draw thing, right? As we sit here on a Tuesday morning, absolutely unequivocally for him, he would love to get rid of that red stripe that's on his Wikipedia page forever. So I don't know. It's an interesting thing. You know, but the fighter centric opinion, I think, is you got to figure out a way to go open scoring. Why not? It's the easiest thing to do under the current criteria. I know it's not flawless. And uh, I think you got to go back to 18 months ago with the liberal 10 eights. All right. Armand Sarukyan ends the winning streak of Demir Ismagulov. Gosh, I love the lightweight division and I love fights like this. They're both so high level. Uh, unanimous decision for Armand Sarukyan, 30 to 27 across the board. I know some people thought that Ismagulov maybe had a round in there just for some of the moments as we described earlier. But your thoughts on Sarukyan and uh, and his lightweight ascent after what I thought was a fairly dominant win over Ismagulov. Kind of stating the obvious here, but this is the advantage of not being a one-dimensional fighter when you are capable of striking at a high level and having a great takedown game or anti-takedown game and having good control on the ground. These are the advantages. These are the adjustments that you can now make in the fight, whether you know going in with a great game plan or making real-time adjustments to be that much more effective. And Armand Sarukian being the more well-rounded fighter, having the, the greater skill set and the higher level of skills is what allowed him to win this fight against a guy in uh, Ismagulov who is really tough, um, very good striker. He might be a top five guy one day. And to see Armand Sarukian execute the way that he did shows a, a level of intelligence and a skill set and experience level that shows me that he is going to be top five in this sport and could very well be a champion. You look at what he did uh, way back when, when he faced uh, the current 155-pound champion in Mahashev, and the way he went about that fight and how close that was, uh, and what he's capable of now, that makes that fight way more interesting now. So for Sarukian, yeah. he's that guy that nobody wants to face, John. I love it. No, I think you put it well. I absolutely think his ceiling is championship. Of course, he's got the great Pahumpa as his head coach in the corner and uh, obviously a committed athlete and and a five-tool player in every respect. And I do think you're right, sort of the foundation for a rematch with Islam Akashev, the current champion, is uh, is a juicy proposition, you know. Um, all right, any other highlights before we let you go? I do have a parting question for you that I'm going to ask Ray Longo as well. But Alex Caceres just continuing to add to this UFC legacy. is one of the longest-tenured fights fighters on the roster. Uh, I believe he was bonus for the TKO, the head kick, and eventual finish of Julian Erosa. Drew Dober over Bobby Green. You know, don't look now, but Drew Dober is the most decorated lightweight knockout artist of all time in the UFC. Him and Dustin Poirier now hit, you know, eight UFC uh, knockouts at lightweight for uh, for Dober. Uh, any other uh, big-time players for you over the weekend, my man? It, it ain't over till it's Dober. Um, yeah, man, it was awesome to see the way he huh. came back huh. in that fight. Um he was making the right adjustments. Bobby Green was kind of cruising, but you started to see Bobby Green fade a little bit. He was losing his focus, whereas Drew Dober was ramping it up, was, was, was bringing more pressure, was finding his mark. 
Um, and you kind of saw it going that way. And you're like, man, Bobby, come on, get it together. You're doing great. But uh, Drew Dober just, uh, again, shows his toughness, shows his skill, continues to, to make some good improvements. I'd like to see him improve some defense, but that was a, a tremendous win and kind of a signature win for him. Uh, and I'd love to talk about uh, that brilliant knockout there by Bruce Leroy. Uh, awesome, awesome knockout there by Caceres, how he set it up. Um, it's an unusual one, but I think if fighters are paying attention, that is a technique you need to uh, copy. Uh, same side technique, whether he went uh, high with the with the punch, went same side with the kick. That is something that a lot of people will take uh, will take the bait on. So uh, I thought it was a beautiful knockout and a nice adjustment uh, in real time as well by Casera. So uh, love those fights, man. Yeah, it looked fairly unique, that Caceres move there. And uh, I think you're right, you know, a lot of emulation in the fight game. But it's interesting when you look at the ledger for Alex Caceres, you know, the loss to Crone Gracie back in 2019, three plus years ago. He's 14 and 12 overall since he's ripped, ripped off six of seven lone, lone loss to Sadiq Yusuf by unanimous decision. So six wins in the last seven for the Miami, Florida based Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres. All right. And Florian poll results. I really just did this for my own curiosity because largely I do care more about the opinions of those who analyze the scoring criteria and understand it than the, the opinion of the masses. But I did this just to underscore how close the fight was between Cannoneer and Strickland. You know, uh, it was 80. 80- one percent of our listenership had it either 48 47 or 48 47 48 one way or the other you know right and of course all three judges had a 49 46 but i guess that's neither here nor there all right here's the question so there are a lot of people out there that would go through the judging course and become a mixed martial arts judge and show up and do the ufc fights for free right there are a lot of people that would do it for maybe a thousand bucks all right ken flo's not showing up to judge fights for free folks okay neither is ray longo and neither is cody Mero. okay I think I could get Cody to go through the course and judge UFC fights for $1,500. All right. I'm asking you, okay? And I'm going to ask Longo the same question. And I'm going to ask myself the same question, and I have an answer. And my answer is absolutely not. All right. Would you, the UFC weekends, Kenny, that you're not working the PFL or battle bots or shooting guns or going to fucking mountains with your wife and spending a bunch of money that I don't have, right? Would you be a UFC judge... For those select weekends, go through the course for $5,000 a show and deal with all the scrutiny and potential that that comes with it, paying you $5,000. Maybe you do six UFC shows a year, an extra thirty grand in your pocket. Would you go through the course and do that? Absolutely not. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I, right. I don't think I would. <laughs> right. All right. So here's why I would not do it. If the system changed, and don't kill me for this, Sean Sheehan, if the system changed and there was some way that I could either manipulate the criteria to include more 10-10s or be more liberal with the 10-8s or half points or open scoring, whatever it may be, um, I would do it. But right now, even though you hear me bang on judges, and again, I consider our show to be sort of the show of people in the MMA space. A lot of referees, judges, fighters are listening, right? But again, I can't be here to make friends, right? Like some people said to me, dude, you love Ken Flo last week. Why are you saying, oh, everybody's going to be piling on Ken Flo now for his Patty Pimblett scorecard? Why are you bringing more attention to it? And you know, I know I'm not jeopardizing my friendship with Ken Flo, but I'm not necessarily here um, to make friends. The reason I would not be a judge is because I don't think they have the right tools. So as much as you may think I'm banging on these individuals, I feel for them because I don't think they have the right tools. So no, I wouldn't do it for five grand a show. I, I agree. And I think that's a great argument. Um, 
and, and that's a lot of what I'm kind of where I'm coming from is, you know, I, I think that it's a, it's a very difficult thing to do as it is right now. Um, and I think the negatives outweigh the positives for me. I mean, you know, and take, take the money out of it. It's just, I, yeah. I think you're right. I think you've got to give these guys better tools to be able to make the right decisions. Yeah. All right, kid. Enjoy the mountains. We're going to get to Longo here in about 60 seconds, but we appreciate you dealing with the technical difficulties. Best to the family and uh, get home safe, brother. We'll talk to you uh, not next week. I believe we're dark, but we'll talk to you in like 13 days, brother. Thank you, guys. Talk soon. All right. There's Ken Flo. All right. Give me that solo box for a second. I just want to talk about the New England Patriots for one second. So certainly a segment of our viewership and listenership is not NFL fans. But yesterday or on Sunday, the Patriots at the end of the game essentially committed the the dumbest, most idiotic play in the history of the National Football League to lose a game. And it was such a swift kick in the in the groin to us New Englanders and Patriots fans because it came on the heels of that touchdown that we were talking about earlier that looked to me like his foot was on the white line. Now, I can at least say as an NFL fan, objectively, that I've never seen a player's foot seemingly on the white line get a touchdown like that before, even if I don't think that the angle was optimal. But to have that compounded by the worst play in NFL history to essentially give the game away when you should have just uh, taken a knee, to me, was just the height of idiocy. And here, 48 hours later, I'm still essentially crying in my Cheerios and uh, and just reliving it, right? And I got to do an NFL podcast with my twin brother later today. All right. Hope you guys enjoy some of the judging and the scoring stuff. And again, trying to do it with all sensitivity to the parties involved, but also trying to uh, to just not mute my passion, right? Like I am a mixed martial arts fan at my core, right? Like Joe Rogan always says, we're professional fans. And so I'm a fan and I have a platform. And yes, I can go talk to Commissioner Jeff Mullen as soon as I get to Nevada. And rest assured, I'll be having that conversation. You know, I can talk to UFC Hall of Famer, our executive vice president of regulatory affairs, Mark Ratner, and rest assured that he will be one of the first people that I seek out when I get to Las Vegas, because uh, I don't know. I'm trying to learn, right? I'm trying to turn my frustration into knowledge and, you know, just get through Christmas. All right, let's get to Ray Longo. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Oh, it looks like he's not going cold brew today, folks. It looks no like he's way. going hot coffee. He froze on me already, but I get Ray Longo to myself today because of Ken Flo's technical difficulties. So uh, we're going head to head today, Holy Raymond. Crap. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business, and it says there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. 
For me, I'm on the road about 100 nights a year, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. And everybody loves Raymond, so I am the B-side in this equation. I just asked... I just asked Kenny the question I asked you on the phone yesterday, you know, would you go through the requisite training and it might be two or three years in terms of accruing amateur experience and everything else, but would you go through the judges course, the requisite training over however many years and judge a handful of UFC fights for four or $5,000 to show? And I said, I wouldn't do it because under the current criteria, I don't feel like I have the tools to effectively do the job. Would you be a judge? I I would be a judge. I don't know if I'm sitting through three or four years of (laughs) of training i go in and judge a fight tomorrow but you got to give me the criteria and you're right i I think what you're saying is right you don't want to be a judge because you don't agree with the criteria almost no is that it so then that means yes. you know look look if everybody's complaining that we have to change the criteria you know that that's yeah, the problem it's, too, it's too subjective who thinks what is damaged what's not damaged and, and again i haven't looked into this Honestly, John, to me, it's as simple. I look at a fight and I say, "This this guy's better than that guy, and he's doing this better." And I don't, I don't make it that hard. You know what I mean? Like I said, we got to start going into the criteria of you know. Now we're looking for angles. How this guy who we thought lost possibly won? I think that's a problem. Right now, you don't know who won between Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland. You scored it for Sean Strickland, but you thought it was exceedingly close. Correct. You cut out for a second. Cannoneer Strickland. How'd you see that fight? Close as hell, right? I, I, John, I tell you, I'm watching that fight, and I'm like, just because we're coming off last week's uh, right. I'm like disasters, I'm like, first thing that hits me is somebody is going to be 100% bummed out. That right, this, right. This, when they say that, like, and it, this is an example of it. This was a, a fight I believe either guy could have won. Uh, I believe both guys really thought they won, and that's when it really becomes a problem, right? When you then they both have every right to think so. I mean, I think Cannonier landed the hardest shots. I think uh, Strickland looked like he landed the most consistent shots, and I think that's the way Strickland fights. So in his head, he thinks he's winning. He he never really was hurt. He got his. It looked like the power went to Cannonier, but. Good luck with that one. That one's that one. I I thought I have to go back and look at it. But when I was watching, I'm like, this is going to be crazy. You just knew that this one was going to be a tough one to score. And uh, and that's it. So that's it. That's a great fight to go back and look at if you want to see what a close fight looks like. And, you know, you could have called that fight a drawer. I would have been happy. So would you be okay if 10 percent of all UFC fights ended in a draw? Uh, I know we because, spoke about right, that. Because yeah. for coaches and fighters, it's very different than for promoters, right? And I think right. even for fans, I think, I think some segment of the fan base would be okay with more draws because it would feel more equitable. Like I, I, I right, you know, right. I mean, and I, I'll say this, John. I'll, I'll say, I'm good with two percent of the fights. Ten percent, we're getting a little heavy, but there are fights that. I'm saying even like that Gamrot Zarukian fight. Yeah. Who the hell won that fight? 
Right. And I, and I got to tell you, I love this. I love this kid, Saruki, and he's counting it as a win. He's taking shit into his own hands. I had a girl fight last week. The fight was over. It was very close. And she turned to me. She goes, I won, I won that fucking fight. I go, that's all you need to know. I can't tell you what the judges are going to say, but if you really feel like you won that fight, like when you're not bullshit, like fight it at night, like that guy's jumping around like it was a great fight. If you really feel like that's it, that's all you could do. Yeah. And and I think Zarukian really felt like he won that fight. He's, a, he's counting it as he's on a seven fight. Which right. I love it. I love it. In terms of affecting scoring change, and we are going to get it back to the fights, I promise, but it's just too hard to do. But something like open scoring is easier to get done. Are you in favor of that? I don't like the open scoring because I think even um, – I look, you know what? How about this? I'd have to experience it to see how it affected me as a coach. I, that's all I could say. I don't, I, right now, I think if I look up – and I'm in Raphael Stotz's corner, and I see that somebody's got this other guy winning every round, it's going to be hard for me not to just, like, lose my shit, like, you know, and go, what the fuck? I mean, you want to – I think you could start – in certain fights, I think that's a disaster, and I think that would have been one of them. It's a great point to inject you know, in the I conversation, yeah. right? Because my issues have always been that it it changes how a fighter proceeds – in so many ways, right? Even relative to the matchup before the fight, even before the open scores yeah, are without there. A doubt. Never mind yeah. the mind fuck mid round when it's like, are you serious? You're giving yeah, every you round to the dumb. other guy, no matter what. And yeah, speaking I, of yeah. which, by the way, because it was Douglas Crosby who had that 50 to 45, Cody pulled this transcript from Bloody Elbow. Uh, there was a caller that offered the following comment to the Nevada State Athletic Commission during a, f- a current meeting, I believe. I'm calling in not pertaining to any agenda item, but rather to lodge a formal complaint about the judging at UFC 282 that was hosted last weekend in Vegas. I want to know if possible why Douglas Crosby in particular was allowed to judge an event Friday night in the Northeast and then fly across the country Saturday morning all the way to Vegas to then judge fight Saturday, and he was deemed mentally fit to do so. Uh, and then I believe the caller went on to say, I think it's very telling that for the entire tenure as far as I can tell, of Bob Bennett when he reigned as NSAC executive director from 2014 to 2021. Crosby was not allowed to judge UFC event as far as I can tell, scanning MMA decisions. And then when current director Jeff Mullen took his place, uh, Crosby was suddenly back judging those events. It seems a bit ridiculous and uh, yada, yada, yada. Every NSAC meeting, I guess, has time allotted for public comments. Yeah, so uh, I consider Jeff Mullen a friend and I do believe that they will absolutely not allow that to happen anymore in terms of the quick turn for judges, but Again, there's just so many, so many things going on. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, let me let me touch on one thing. First off, you said two words in there that were very, very crucial to whoever called in mentally fit. (laughs) Here's the point. Here's my point. Has nothing to do with his judging. Everybody's gonna make mistakes. This guy's just a rotten human being. Yeah. Has nothing to do with the judging. This is what Mazzuli's gotta figure out, because I think Mazzuli's responsible for this guy coming back. In my, and I could be wrong, Mike. I'm not. I'm just saying this is my thought process. Was I know after Virginia that fight that you remember you got on the mic with Al and you know Al you like booing me. Jorge Masvidal, yep. where he uh, where Crosby won thirty again across the board. He won every round, Masvidal. Right after that fight, he should have never been in that seat judging that fight. We were in the middle of you know he had a court order protection against the uh, the ring doctor. I mean they knew this. They, and he sat his ass in that chair, knowing he was going to judge my guy's fight, and we had a and we had a problem. That's a major problem. This has nothing to do with the judging, right? 
This guy's got to be looked at for his character, and he has zero when it comes to that. And that's where Mazzulli, I think so. After that, nobody used him. I know Jersey didn't use him. Um, I don't think it was legal in New York yet. Uh, Vegas didn't use him. A lot, and nobody used him. Mazzulli, I think, and again, I could be wrong on this. I'm just my, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. He, I think, when he took over the ABC, that's when you saw him come back in Connecticut and in New York because the girl that runs New York was working for Mazzulli. So he got, he slipped in there. You know, when he became head of the ABC for whatever fucking reason, I have no idea. Yeah, but that's the issue. And again. People saying like, yeah, I, I did remove him from a couple of fights, but the first time I don't say anything, he, he judged Frivola's fight at the Garden. They know there's a problem with me. They know, there's, they know there's a problem with me and him. See, Mazzulli's the guy that's got to be looked at because he knows there's a problem. He judged every fight I had, that kid, this kid Montalvo and Bellator. Yeah, he judged those fights. I, I'm almost sure. Just he definitely sad. judged my fights when I'm in uh, – I see him when I'm in Connecticut. If he's there, he's judging – he's going to judge my fights if I don't say anything. Right. So they know it, and they don't do a fucking right. thing and about it. Right, and here you are just trying to coach your athletes, right? 100%. But you got to, like, squeaky wheel to fucking yeah, right. have justice. It's a fucking to have. I got to have this guy looking at me and acting like a fucking jerk off. Like, yeah. are, you, are you kidding? Yeah. Like, I give a shit about this guy. Yeah. But th- th- it's it's Mazzulli's responsibility now to really take a hard look. Let's see what he does. Yeah. Let's see what he does. I hope he doesn't do anything. Yeah. I, I mean, I hope he does. I hope he does something and doesn't do nothing. Yeah. Because then he's got to be looked at because that's a major problem. They know. Oh, Ray just cut out mid rant. It sounds like a fax machine in the background, too. Yeah, that was people calling in. They know he's uh, they know that the guy's crazy, man. I mean, listen to all the stuff that's come out on him this week. It's crazy. There are reportedly countless examples uh, of him just, you know, bullying and harassing. Right. And I will tell our audience, I once went to Mark Ratner because of my relationship with Ray Crosby is essentially motherfucking me with his eyes across the octagon. You know, every time I look over from the broadcaster's table and I said, Mark, um, can you just please, you know, not have that happen? I'm trying to call eight hours of fights. I don't need this guy, you know, like, you know, in threatening mode. So, uh, So, yeah. Yeah. I think, Joe, the problem is like, that to me is even grounds to get rid of the guy. He's not there for the right reason. He's not there to judge a fight. That's for sure. He's there to, like John McCarthy said, I was listening to him and thank God I, I really praise John for coming out because my only ever issue with John, I always loved hearing the guy's take on fights was I thought he was in cahoots with Crosby. I just wanted nothing to do with it. So I totally apologize because he came out and definitely uh, said they hate each other and that's the way he likes it. That, that's the way everybody likes it. They just, he's a guy that, John, if you try to get rid of him, he's just going to, he's going to the attorney general. He's going to this guy. He's just a pain in the ass. Yeah. yeah. But I don't, they got to figure out what to do with him because nobody wants him judging the fights anymore. And yeah. everybody's going to put in a complaint. Ali now is saying he's going to every commission to get him not to be able to judge. He's got, he's got problems. Now he's got, it's not just me. And it was never just me. It was just, I was being highlighted. He was always bothering somebody, yeah. but they never came out with it. But, it is what it is, man. This is, I've been. Wow. Blackout. What a day. What a fucking day. Coincidence?
Yeah, so Ray Longo is back right now. So, yeah, I think there's a setting on your phone. So you're saying somebody's calling your phone and it keeps interrupting our interview, huh? Right. Yeah, that's it. Popular guy today. My goodness, all these athletes calling you. I mean, is it Montalvo? Who's calling you? Aljamain Sterling and and Mayrop Tallis really seem to be having a fine time in Jamaica. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Iaquinta was the first call and Lou Neglia was the second call. (laughs) How about that? High rollers both. and they're going to keep going. They're going to keep calling. Al will right. call, but Lou will. But so, anyway, but the point, John, I think is we're not discussing any other judge but this guy. And everybody makes mistakes. I'm not even, let's just say, it has nothing to do with his scoring. I think mistakes are always going to happen. I don't care what you do with the scoring. But you got to weed out the bad apples, put them down to the farm league, bring them back, let them know why everybody's in disagreement with them. And that's it. But this guy goes beyond that, you know? For John McCarthy to say that the guy's handing out papers for everybody to be what he wants them to say, or that he, Nick Lentz now, he, I, I, I read an article where he's writing that guy's material and then he's judging his fights. I don't know. If any, anybody thinks this is right, let me know because I think it's fucking horrendous. Yeah. And if, if, and if I got a judge, I'm fighting a guy, and I know that one of the judges is a personal friend, the, the coach of yeah. the guy that I'm fighting. Who wants that? Right. By I mean, the do way, we have to put together a list of all this shit and right. wrap it up in a nice package with a bow oh, on it for Mazzulli to do something? What, what do you want us to do? Yeah. Well, no, and you and I have talked before, right? It's like, you know, it's like, am I supposed to, you know, resign as a UFC commentator and and devote my life to, you know, MMA right. judging and scoring reform, right? I mean, that's right, all I'm going right. to do. By the way, the California State Athletic Commission has already affected change as far as a judge traveling, and uh, and that's good. And hopefully Nevada will follow suit. And also, Ray, do not disturb mode on your device should uh, – should prevent the raging Iaquintas of the world from calling. Maybe his his ears were buzzing. Now, you actually brought to my attention that that fight between raging Iaquinta and Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, April of 2015, I believe, was the same week we launched the Anakin Florian podcast nearly eight years ago. Incredible. That I remember. That's what I remember for the first episode was right after that fight, I believe. And yeah. we had to go through it. We're doing the same shit we did yeah. in 2015 as we're doing so- right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mazuli has got to make a move, I think. If he's the head of the ABC, he's got to do something. Yeah. But I I think, I don't honestly, I just, I don't know. I yeah. mean, it's, just, it's just too weird for me. I, and, I, and I choose to devote my life to something else besides this right. stupidity. Speaking you know, that's of weird. What, yeah, let's do it. I follow the Instagram account Nature's Brutal, maybe Nature's Metal, and I, I witnessed a rhino birth the other way. I actually wrote it down in my notes because earlier in this episode, through whatever connection, Kenny Florian was talking about sort of you come out and you make sense of this world, and we were talking about coming up with solutions. A lot of people are always trying to come up with a solution, and he said, you know, you come out as a baby, and from day one, you're trying to make sense of this world. I watched a rhino birth the other day. It's interesting to watch a baby rhinoceros come out of that fucking sack and and try to make sense of the world. Would you be able to watch that? Cody said, no way. I watched a horse birth several years ago. That was off-putting. The rhino birth was not as bad. No, no, I loved loved the nature stuff. I I do, too. I do, too. I'm fascinated by the way even you know, like that rhino will interact with a cat if it's brought up the right way or a dog. And they're just, yeah. everybody's getting along. I know we could do, this is what I get out uh-huh. of it. We could all get along. John, yeah. I know it. Yeah. I know we can. Yeah. You know, I, I had this conversation at the gym because I think I have every possible combination of 
you know, Russian, uh, Georgian, Azerbaijan, this and that, you know, all over Israel, guys from it. You give people chance, man. Yeah. Everybody's good. They're all good guys. Yeah. Nobody wants any bullshit. Everybody just wants to do their thing and keep moving on. And that's what I get out of it. If you give people a chance to get to know each other, there's a good chance everybody will get along. So it did not appear as though Aljo and May Rob and Dennis Bazooka wanted Ray Longo to tag along to Jamaica, but it looks as though those boys are having a hell of a time. I, I feel like May Rob probably got laid down there, if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> well, I know the girl, the girl latched on to his cock, and she wasn't letting go. That's for sure. So she had to be she had to be <laughs> one of the victims. I got to say, uh, you know, I'm not even going to say it. we're stop it down there. Hey. Anything yeah. else before we let you go? I'm going to shout out a couple names. Alex Caceres has now won six of seven. Unbelievable. How about that Holy technique? Cr- Ken Flo believes oh. a lot of UFC fighters are going to try to emulate that technique moving forward. That one, that one's not easy. He, his was a little different than Leon Edwards because he had a little drag time. Right, he was way over, and then he had to bring that leg over. So it was even. It was a little more towards like Wonder Boys uh, type of style. But uh, yeah, that 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 technique's not that particular one, but that. Like what Leon Edwards done, that's always right, been there. Right. I think Whitick has been doing that for years. Right. He does that uh, same punch, same kick, and it just, you know, kills you. Did you see uh, Rafa Garcia lose 20% of his blood that Crazy. cut on the back of his head? Did you know there were arteries back there? I guess... I should no. have. I mean, that's wild, huh, man? Yeah, yeah, that, that's really crazy, and that's a lot of blood to lose. But what a what an exciting fight that was! Yeah, he really brought it, that kid. That was great, great fight. There were some really great, good fights. Yeah, it was pretty good. And now we have a little bit of a respite. I did want to get to one other thing before we let you fly. So Robert Whitaker was to fight Bohashinia Paulo Costa in Perth, Australia. It's not going to happen. Seems to be some sort of contractual dispute. Now Robert Whitaker was told by the UFC that Paulo Costa was offered a new contract. And more money for this fight. I'm not sure if Costa disputes that or not, but ultimately they're not fighting. And this is the second time in as many UFC trips to Perth and Western Australia, first in 2018 and now this one, that Whitaker was initially scheduled to compete and will not. And, you know, I know Robert's heart goes out to a lot of those fans, but a lot of the the Aussies are traveling across the country to see Robert and they're not going to get the chance to do so. I thought that was pretty disappointing. Well, they're definitely not. They're going to take that fight off the card. Well, we'll anybody. see. I mean, he sort of intimated that he was going to fight in March or April, which would effectively, yes, take him off the card. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. You see, I think the UFC, they don't need all this other bullshit going on. You know, even the Krause thing. I mean, there's something you got. If you want to listen to something good, somebody did a really good piece on the betting thing and what they think is going on. It, it's pretty wacky, but sensible i yeah. think I, I, you'll find it on youtube is it somewhere. like the 90 minute version yeah it's a it's a long one yeah, yeah. my twin yeah, brother should, sent that to me and yeah. i haven't found the 90 minutes yet but i will uh i will yeah, do take so. a listen to that all right your homework go on instagram nature's brutal or nature's metal and uh check out the rhino birth and uh we're dark next week merry christmas happy holidays happy hanukkah light the menorah lot of new york jews celebrate with us a hundred percent, John. Thank you for the check. This was a huge year for the Anik Florian podcast. I mean, the money was poor. This was crazy huh. this year. Well, no, are you kidding? 2023. I know you're messing with me. No, I'm not really messing with you. I tell you I'm it was better this year. <laughs> it was better. A hundred percent. We're creeping. Come on. 2023 I mean, two- will be the biggest year financially and in terms of the numbers in the history of the show. So we're moving in the right direction. So. Listen, 
See, that's what people don't get, right? 2015, we've been doing this. That's right. So people are going to look at it when we hit the big time, John. They're going to go look at that. Overnight success. That's right. They're going to forget about the other 20 years before that. Hey, we're focused on content to the masses every week except next week for Christmas. Ray Longo, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you in about two weeks. Happy holidays, everybody. Two weeks. There he is. Thanks for everything. Seriously, love you guys. Take it easy, man. And take that to heart because the kinship and the relationship between Ray Longo and the Anakin Florian podcast listeners is incredible. I don't believe you folks who say that you just fast forward the Ray Longo minute, but uh, no, we appreciate Ray. And uh, again, on the program since episode one. Cody, what's up, man? You got some marrow seconds? No, it's 12.59. I know, I I know you're going to go, but I get an NFL pick. Detroit minus two and a half this weekend. That's it. Detroit minus two and a half at the Carolina Panthers. Merrow's hot, although he did lose last week, but he's won three of his last four. Cody's going with the Detroit Lions, who have won three in a row, seven and seven, minus two and a half at the Carolina Panthers. And I will just say, Eddie Andelman, godfather of sports talk radio in Boston, Massachusetts, said never bet against a streak, and Cody's on the streak. Anaclorianpodcast.com, promo code LONGO for all of your holiday merchandise needs. Also, don't forget millions.co for your one more sleep merchandise designs over there. Kenny Florian, martial arts.com. If you like Brazilian jujitsu as well. Thank you all for listening, for watching 377 episodes down. I am off to tape Annex Square, the NFL podcast with my brother. And we will talk to you guys in 13 days. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for supporting the show and hopefully big things to announce in January of 2023. Enjoy the holiday. We will be back with details on our award show and so very much more right after Christmas. Enjoy the holiday, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year. Hello, I am Dr. George Jesus Mesa, a clinical psychologist and collector of Chicano Latinx art. For generations, we have known of the healing powers of art at an individual and community level. Please join us as we interview prominent artists, collectors, curators, and influencers in the world of Chicano Latinx art. We will explore historical, regional, and political influences that impact Chicano Latinx art today. Along with our partners at www.latinoarte.com, we are preserving the colorful and rich history of Chicano Latinx art for future generations, one interview at a time. Please join us at Healing with Dr. George, the power of Chicano Latinx art, wherever you listen to podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. 
and 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.